Um, this morning, if you're joining with us for the first time, we're turning to 1 Kings chapter 10, 1 Kings chapter 10. And um, you've joined us in the midst of a series on King Solomon where we've been looking at the paradox of Solomon's life. And we're really coming really to the end of this, this series. This morning, King Solomon is, is uh, still riding on cloud nine. He's, he's built the temple. Um, word, has traveled all over, uh, word has traveled all over the world about him and his wisdom and his fortune and his kingdom. And now he has a visitor. Uh, this queen from the south to come and see what this man and his God are all about. Uh, so we're going to read verses 1 through 13 together of chapter 10. Let's just take a moment of silence and prepare our hearts for God's word. Now when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord... She came to test him with hard questions. She came to Jerusalem with a very great retinue, with camels bearing spices and very much gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she told him all that was on her mind. And Solomon answered all of her questions. There was nothing hidden from the king that he could not explain to her. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food of his table, the seating of his officials, and the attendance of his servants, their clothing, his cupbearers, and his burnt offerings that he offered at the house of the Lord, there was no more breath in her. She said to the king, the report was true that I heard in my own land of your words and your wisdom, but I did not believe the reports until I came and my own eyes had seen it, and behold, the half was not told me. Your wisdom and prosperity surpass the report that I heard. Happy are your men. Happy are your servants who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God who has delighted in you and set you on the throne of Israel. Because the Lord loved Israel forever, he has made you king, that you may execute justice and righteousness. Then she gave the king 120 talents of gold and a very great quantity of spices and precious stones Never again came such an abundance of spices as these that the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. Moreover, the fleet of Hiram, which brought gold from Ophir, brought from Ophir a very great amount of almug wood and precious stones. And the king made of the almug wood supports for the house of the Lord and for the king's house, also lyres and harps for the singers. No such almug wood has come or been seen to this day. And King Solomon gave to the queen of Sheba all that she desired, whatever she asked besides what was given her by the bounty of King Solomon. So she turned and went back to her own land with her servants. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. I want you to imagine um, driving into church this morning, turning on the radio, uh, to hear that Martian aliens were invading America. What would be your next move? I know it seems random, but just go with me on this. You should know me by now. Back in 1938, Orson Welles hosted this show called Mercury Theater on air, and it was a playwright, this audio playwright, that had gained quite a bit of momentum over the years. 
But for some reason on this particular occasion, Orson decided it would be a really good idea to take H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds and turn it into a series of realistic news bulletins back to back in one evening. You might remember, just to be sure that he got the full flavor, he used the sound effects, the explosions, the commentaries, the news reporters describing this chaos as though they were standing there. But you remember his newscast was a bit too good. And by the next morning, from coast to coast, mass hysteria had taken over. The end of the world was nigh, and the fake news had somehow caught fire. It's fascinating, isn't it? No one stopped to ask if what they were hearing was true. And to be fair, right, everything up until that moment on the radio was probably quite trustworthy. But again, it's insane how many thousands of people fell for the old alien trick. You know, times have changed quite a bit since then. We live in a day full of skepticism. You know this. Falsehood moves three times as fast as truth. Truth can't keep up. It's nearly impossible to keep up with what's real or fake. Still today, the question, is it true, makes really all the difference in life. And everyone wants to know what is true. But just go back to a day before technology... I want you to imagine a time before radio, before television, cell phones, AI, and picture this queen of the South. She has come to an unknown land over a thousand miles from home because she heard this rumor of a king and his God that was inconceivable to hear. As you know, Solomon was said to be the wisest man to ever walk planet Earth, right? You know he built the temple of the Lord that was like un, 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 unlike any other before him. The peace and prosperity of his kingdom was world-renowned. And this king wants to know, this queen, I should say, wants to know, are the rumors true? You know, archaeologists aren't entirely certain where this land was located, but most agree that the, the queen of Sheba came from somewhere in southwestern Arabia. That would be modern-day Yemen, And if that's the case, that really makes our story all the more interesting because that was the central trade post for all of Africa, India, and the Mediterranean. All the roads of travel converged in that place. It was like an international hub of commerce. So you can imagine that the world is talking and you can picture this queen. She starts hearing these rumors, nations passing through her land, chatting about this king of Israel, Solomon, whose fortune and insight were unlike anything they had ever seen. His temple is plated with gold. His palace is covered with these precious stones we've never seen before. Beautiful cedar you can't even imagine. When he speaks, he speaks with such insight that everyone follows behind him. See, but more importantly, these rumors are not just about Solomon. The nations are talking about the name of the Lord. Did you catch that? Go back to verse one with me if you have your Bibles open. Otherwise, we'll throw this back on the screen. We're told... She heard of the fame of Solomon concerning God's name. The people are are talking about this king's God, right? And this queen, she wants to know, is this report worth its weight? Is it true? So she packs her bag. She heads to the city of Jerusalem some 1,300, 1,400 miles away by camel just so she can see this spectacle with her own eyes. And she's so enthusiastic about these reports of this king She's brought four and a half tons of gold and precious stones and spices just in case. Look again at the second part of verse one. Look at her plan. God's word tells us she's come to test the water. 
More specifically, she's brought hard questions. In Hebrew, really this boils down to like something like perplexing riddles. This is not a, some kind of a pop quiz for Solomon. This woman is on the quest for something more, right? She wants the truth and she's gonna bring the Socratic method to find it. Question upon question upon question until she's wore out. You know, in one of our Bible studies this week, we were talking about hard questions that we often get asked from new, newcomers to the faith, right? Questions that someone might, might dig into that causes us to explore the depths of our faith in, in new ways that, ways that we might feel inadequate to answer on our own. We have an entire field in seminaries devoted to this study called apologetics. Be ready to defend what you believe. But even back thousands of years ago, right, this this practice was actually quite typical among statesmen. It was not uncommon at all for a king or a queen to dive into the mysteries of life with their counterparts. Well, what do your people believe? Will you tell me more about your God? Because we know these hard questions are as old as time, right? Confucius, Socrates, Plato. From the beginning of time, all of humanity brings at some point in their life this quest for something more. So by the time this queen arrives, she now spills like every thought in her head. Our scripture tells us she gave Solomon everything. You can imagine you're riding in the desert for, I don't know, weeks on end. She had a lot of time to think about this moment. She's got some questions she wants to get out. Hard questions, maybe about Solomon's life, his faith, his leadership, the technology that he's used, his kingdom. And she starts rapid firing. And we can't overstate this enough, right? This is not a casual visit. The amount of work and detail that would have went into this would have taken weeks just to plan. A convoy of animals, servants, military, provisions. This queen, I just said, had a truckload of jewelry with her. She's exposed. She's no longer in the confines of her kingdom. She's left the comforts of her land to a land she's probably never seen before. Why? What is it that makes someone want to do that? You know, throughout the scriptures, time and time again, I feel like this is the pattern by which God works. Like the entire purpose for a chosen people of God from the very beginning was so that Israel would be a city on a hill that pointed the nations back to their God. Did you know that? Like our lifestyle and God's wisdom through our lives should bring others who are curious to find answers to the greater questions of this life. Go back with me to Genesis 12, verse two. You'll remember God tells Abram from the very beginning, I'm gonna make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. But why? So that you will be a blessing. First Peter 2, 9, same theme for the church. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Why? so that you might declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into the marvelous light. You see where I'm going with this? Don't lose me here. Here is a foreign pagan queen who has a mind full of questions, hard questions, questions she hasn't found answers to. And we're told Solomon responded with such a vast amount of wisdom, there was nothing hidden from him that he could not explain to her. Like all the questions she brought to him, we're satisfied. I wonder what it would be like to have that kind of gift, just endless wisdom and insight. 
And yet, look at this 2 Peter 1 verse 3. Look at what, what this t- teaches us about the wisdom that God has given. Look at this. It says, God's divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Christ who called us to his own glory and excellence. That's different. See, that says we've been given the same kind of wisdom, but now found in Christ, right? All that we need to know about godliness and about life has by God's divine power been granted to us. When we open his word, we have the same kind of blessing in our hands. See, this chapter in Solomon's life, I think at first glance it's like, oh, it's just another record of of royalties, right? Some random documentation for the files. And yet you know God's word isn't random like that. There is a lesson here, right? There's a reason this is teaching us something. And I think it's worth a second look. See, it seems to me Solomon's kingdom has become like a lighthouse for the nations. People are talking in foreign lands, places where the name of the Lord has maybe never been before. And they're speaking not just about a king, but about his God. There is something about this man's life that has people thinking. And here's my take. Here's my thought. Take it or leave it. I think this chapter of Solomon should spur us on. I mean, what would it be like to be a people whose lifestyle and community and hospitality and wisdom was so contagious that news spread for miles? What would it be like to to be a people whose witness was so powerful it wouldn't go unnoticed throughout an entire valley and then into the nations? I mean, here's how we might connect the dots, right? The queen was not the only one asking the existential hard questions of life. From the beginning of humanity, we all ask these questions. Why am I here? What's the purpose of this life? Why does evil exist? How do I find fulfillment? What happens when I die? See, and there's something about this king, right, that's caused this woman to travel this perilous journey for months at a time just to inquire about the truth that was in him. The blessing of Solomon, his his wisdom was so famous, the world had to know more. So God tells us this, this queen now hears directly from Solomon and his wisdom and she sees this brilliance, right? This, this clothing of his servants, the food at his table, the, the attendants is gathered around him, the, the house that he built, and she was speechless. In fact, look again at verse six, it says this. She said, the report that I heard in my own land, I couldn't believe it, but now I'm here and my eyes have seen it. The half of it wasn't told to me. Reminds me of that question, you know, if you, if you could sit down and have dinner with anyone on earth, who would it be and why? There's something about this man, right, that draws people to him. And, and yet it's not him that they're really drawn to. They're drawn to the Lord. How did Paul say it in 1 Corinthians, follow my example as I follow Christ? See, I think this should cause us to look inward for a minute and ask the question, are you living your life in such a way that others are drawn to your God? When you think about your day-to-day, are you living your life in such a way that people would ask you questions about who you worship? And if not, what needs to be rectified? You know, still to this day, right, our, our, our world is so rampant with falsehood and fake narratives and gossip. You can watch in real time this ebb and flow of, of, of deceit 
moving the, the, the hands of time. God's plan for the church, though, is to be truth bearers of good news. So that when they ask, is it true, our very lives prove the testimony and the, reality, the reliability of Jesus Christ. I want you to notice two things halfway through this chapter. Uh, well, look at this. This foreign king, she comes with questions, right? But now suddenly, this, this woman who's presumably never heard of the name of the Lord before is praising his name. Look again at verse nine. She says, blessed be the Lord your God who has delighted in you, set you on the throne of Israel because the Lord loved Israel forever. He has made you king. Now you have to wonder, where did she come up with a statement like that? Like this is not something that somebody from the secular realm articulates, right? This is like a theological thesis right here. Because of God's everlasting throne, I understand he's put you on the throne, the queen is suddenly declaring, right, God's covenant promises over his people. She somehow goes from asking hard questions to now speaking divine truth. She's blessing the name of the Lord. And you ask, well, how is that? And the only conclusion I can come up with is Solomon must have taught her. She's inquired about his life, his kingdom. And it seems to me Solomon has discipled this woman into the knowledge and understanding of who this God is that Solomon is so famously connected with. You see the pattern? Don't miss this. Solomon is given the blessing of the knowledge and wisdom of God, right? Not for his own gain, but so that the nations would come and see. As word travels, the foreigners arrive wanting to know more. They are drawn to this man's leadership and his wisdom in life. Solomon then leads this woman to understanding who God is to the praise and glory of his name. And then here's my favorite part. Verse 13 tells us she returns back home to her own land to go tell everyone else. See, it seems to me this is God's design for the church. You know, we live in a world where people want to know, is it true? They are begging for an explanation of the unexplainable. You can see it all the time. And yet Solomon in his splendor doesn't come close to the wisdom that we have in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The example of our lives, right, the wisdom that is Jesus Christ should draw the nations to come and see and not just the nations but every single person I interact with this week. And when that person inevitably then asks me of the, the hope that is in me, we should be prepared to lead them to the knowledge and salvation of Christ. How does Paul say it to Timothy, 2 Timothy 4? Be ready in season and out of season. That means every season. Just humor me for a minute. Don't miss this. There are people in our midst who want to know the truth about this life, who are looking for answers, who are exhausted with false facts and manipulation. They want to know, what is this rat race for? Why am I burned out all the time? How do I fight this loneliness inside of me? Why, do I, why can't I keep my marriage intact? How do I find a better way to raise my kids? What do I do with my fears and failures? Why can't I get a grip on my addiction? Why am I so anxious all the time? All the while, we as God's people hold the answer. God's divine power has granted to us things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. The question is, what will we do with it? Are they drawn toward you or away from you? 
Do they see something in you that's contagious, that, that catches on? When, when they inquire about your faith, are you prepared to give an answer that would explain the hope that is in you? When they ask hard questions, do you get defensive or are you open to what God might be doing in their heart? Here recently, the family of Philip Paxton filed a lawsuit against Google Maps for directing Philip and his daughter across a bridge that had actually collapsed nearly, a, collapsed nearly a decade prior. Can you imagine, middle of the night, Paxton drove across this non-existent bridge all because Google Maps steered him off course. This, after all the locals had warned Google countless times, the requests slipped through the cracks. See, I think our day and age is kind of like that, right? Our day is a day that leads people so easily astray and off track. But here's the inoculation. The Bible tells us, 1 Corinthians 1.24, Jesus is our wisdom. In fact, look at, look at what Christ, I love how exhaustive God's word is. Look at what Jesus said about this in Luke 11, 11, 29 to 32. As the crowds increased around him, Jesus said, this is a wicked generation. It asked for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah was the sign to the Ninevites, so also will the son of man be to this generation. Here's the part, here's the key part. The queen of the south, that being the queen of Sheba, will rise at the judgment with the people of this generation and condemn them, for she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom, and now something greater than Solomon is here. See, Solomon, by the hand of God, builds this temple, becomes a beacon of light for the world. You could not help but pass through Jerusalem and see what God had done in that city. It was a visible manifestation. It was an invitation for the world to come and see Notice the hospitality of Solomon when the queen arrives, right? He gave her all that she desired. But then comes Christ, the greater Solomon, the one who makes his temple the church, not a building, but a people. The one who by the spirit now dwells in us, a people whose wisdom in Christ points the world to a, a better way, which means everything we do as individuals or as a community in faith should point the world back to the good news of Jesus. This week, I, I learned there's a Starbucks in the headquarters of the CIA. Did you know that? There's not a place Starbucks hasn't infiltrated. They call it the stealthy Starbucks. 32,000 Starbucks in America. This one's different than all the rest. Everything is anonymous. On every drink inside of the store location, there's a label that just says store number one. There's no apps, there's no reward cards, no credit cards, no one calls out names. In fact, one barista said she doesn't even know the initials. She just come to know her patrons as the caramel macchiato guy or the woman with the iced white mocha, two pumps. Again, let me belabor the point for a minute. We are the opposite of that picture. Right? We are anything but the CIA as the church. And unless you're in the CIA and then come find me after worship and we'll talk more. But we are not anonymous, right? Our lives should be on display 24-7. Our names point the world to the name of Christ. We should be about making him famous in every single thing we say and do. We are always on the clock. The fact is, the life that we're building together in this church as God's people will either draw the nations to the Lord or it will push them away. 
And in a world of false facts and rampant confusion, mark my words, there are thousands, if not millions, just like this queen, asking hard questions in this life. Thousands who would travel miles upon miles just to understand what God's wisdom is. And as they come, they want to know, is it true? And it's on us as God's people to be a witness of the gospel and to disciple those looking for more. So this week, three questions as we leave this place. Three things to think about. One, what would people say about your witness when you're not around? Do you lead them towards or away from Jesus' name and why? Two, who is one person that you know that might have hard questions and need you to pour into them and disciple them into the faith? Three, how can we increase our generosity and hospitality when they show up such that we lavish the grace of Jesus on their shoulders? And let me say this before we pray. Maybe you identify more with the queen than the king this morning. Maybe you're still on that search, and if that's you, I just want to encourage you in that quest, right, to keep asking questions of those around you, which means the rest of us got to be ready and on point. Because the truth of Christ has nothing to hide. God's word promises us that when you ask and when you seek and when you knock, the gospel will be given to you. The truth will be found and the door will be open to you. So ask the hard questions. And church, give them the good answers. Let me ask God to help us do that this morning. Will you pray with me? God, you have told us by your very word that a day is coming where all the nations will gather. Where they will come from east and west and north and south to sit at the table. And Lord, we know from the beginning of time you have called a people to point a lost and broken world to the realities of who you are. Lord, we know that in Christ we we have the greater Solomon. We have the abundance of wisdom with your word open. We have a different way that serves as a beacon to a world that is lost, wandering in the darkness. So Lord, this week, would you help us do those three things, God? To introspectively consider our witness to those people around us. To truly ask the question of how we can improve sharing your love with the nations. God, to think intentionally about who it is around us that we haven't engaged, that wants to engage us in what we believe. Lord, would you give us the gifts of, of hospitality? Lord, that others would come to know your grace through us. God, we thank you for that blessing, that honor, and that joy. In Jesus' name, all God's people said.